We're going to talk today about the greatest thing that's ever happened in human history apart from your creation. I need some props today. No, not some Kleenex. I'm going to take up my cross. Do you want to bring the table, please, while you're making comments about me? Can't you get, turn the tables. <laughs> See, he does more than play the guitar. I put it up there, please. There you go. That's great. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. Right, we're going to talk about the cross. Who invented the light bulb? Thomas Edison? Is that right? That's what they say. There's no trick to this question. Just asking. Who invented uh, penicillin? Who, that guy? A Canadian. Who, who, who invented penicillin? Not a trick question. Nobody knows who invented penicillin. What was Pascal? Louis Pascal? Or Madame Curie? X-rays? So who did the, 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 the penicillin? Pasteur. Pasteur? Okay, well, that'll, that'll do. And who invented uh, the motor car? We'll say Henry Ford, all right? So, so I want to talk about the cross. So what is the light bulb and, the, and Henry Ford and penicillin have to do with the cross? I'll tell you. When was penicillin created? A long time ago. <laughs> this is a very helpful group. Just want to learn, ask some questions. A long time ago. It was, was Alexander Fleming? Did what? What, what can we do without uh, internet? Okay, Fleming. So, I believe in Alexander Fleming. He... Uh, he invented penicillin, which was to cure diseases. Every infection uh, before that was rampant and killed lots of people. But penicillin transformed the medical industry because uh, if you administer penicillin, you, you overcome disease that could kill you, infection particularly. But the thing is, I admire, uh, I admire him and he did an amazing thing. Uh, but I don't use penicillin. I just admire what happened. And the same true with the light bulb. Uh, you know, it's amazing what Edison did. He, he, he got together this light bulb and they could see light and darkness from electricity. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, but I don't use a light bulb. I admire it. And uh, Henry Ford started transportation that enabled us to travel miles and miles and miles, but I don't use a car. I just am appreciative that he did that. That's how we often approach the cross. I just admire Jesus for dying on a cross for my sin. It's just wonderful. But that's where it stops. I still have to suffer on earth and I still have to do my life and I still have to do what I need to do. So I admire you, Jesus. Thank you so much. I wear a cross around my neck, but that's about it. Sounds stupid. I mean, it sounds stupid for the car and the penicillin and the light bulb, but it doesn't sound so stupid for the Jesus in our culture. 
If I came to your house and there's no electricity and there's no light bulbs and you go to the hospital and you say, I don't take uh, penicillin, they would shake your heads at you. But in terms of Jesus, that's normal. Oh, we sort of believe, but it doesn't make any difference. Or does it? Because there are two sides to live. It's either on this side or this side. And we're going to talk about where do we live? What was the point? Lots of people live on this side. These guys came out for I am second, so they wanted to come out and see you again. So I thought I'd let them. Um, these guys are going to use help us talk about this. These, this one's been around my neck for years. This one's fairly new. This one comes from Piccadilly Circus in London. This one comes from Foxville. So, I, and they they're going to help us uh, talk about where we're going and what we're doing. This one, um, which is the Christian? Oh, oh. Bob is uh, going into a whole new sphere. Um, thank you. Um, the, the, uh, it's really easy to, you know that the, the way to the cross, what does it say in the Bible? The way to the cross is broad or narrow? It's the way to the cross is narrow. Why is that so? Because the way to the cross is I come to Jesus and Jesus says I died for your sins. So it's as narrow as one person at a time. The wrong teaching is the Christian life is narrow. You see, what we're going to talk about is you can live the Christian life on this side of the cross or on that side of the cross. This side of the cross is admiring the cross, admiring what Jesus has done and saying, Jesus, thank you so much that you died for my sin. This is the one who lives on this side of the cross. Why do I say that? Because this one's trying to look holy. I'm white and pure and I'm trying to be a good Christian. And this side of the cross is all about appearances. This side of the cross is, you, you, you know, if, if we were light bulbs, we'd have first church of the fluorescent. And then we'd have a variety of light bulbs defining how we live, but we're still living on this side of the cross. This side of the cross is fixated on sin. It's fixated on, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I keep coming to Jesus and saying, please forgive me for my sin, and then I carry on, and I spend my whole life obsessing about how bad I am and how not worthy I am, and I'm not like others, I'm not really spiritual, I'm not like you, it's easy for you, but for me, you need to understand it's hard because I'm not really spiritual. You've played all these tapes a thousand times. It's all obsessing about you. It's all obsessing about how unworthy I am. or you, you don't understand. I mean, my life has been worse than yours and I have some stuff that I cannot even speak about publicly and God can't even accept me. And Jesus is on the cross saying, I've taken everything. What's your problem? So the way to the cross is about a human being coming to the place of... Getting tangled here. Anyway of uh, saying, you know, it's really stressful 
trying to be a good Christian. It's really stressful and boring actually saying my belief in God is about attending church and trying to be good and living in my innermost being as a bit of a hypocrite because I don't really feel as good as I pretend I am. And if people knew some of the secrets of my thinking or my attitudes, it would be even more embarrassing. So I tend to pretend I'm humble or not spiritual or whatever, but I'm trying to live this life and it is narrow and it's confining because there's no freedom in it. What happened when they, did, they uh, invented the light bulb, invented penicillin, invented the, the vehicle? How many people are driving around in Model T Fords? Wouldn't mind, <laughs> except if you're going on a long trip. How many people are getting penicillin administered the way they did in the 1920s with a thick needle that hurts? How many people are using the first light bulb? You're not. What happens? Once you have the invention, people continue to develop that and refine that invention so that it grows and it becomes more and more powerful, more and more, uh, more and more, uh, there are more and more things that you can do with it. And the same is the true with the cross. Many people say, well, it's good enough for me. I'm just, I just believe in God and, and I believe in Jesus and I believe that he died on the cross and that's, that's when I get to heaven, then it'll all be good. And if I was Jesus, I'd say, what an incredible waste of my time. It would be like Edison saying, I, I create the light bulb and you don't even use it. I create a car and you don't even use it. I create penicillin and you don't even What a waste of time. So the good news is, just as you first hear about God and Jesus and you hear about his love and you hear about how he died on a cross for your sin, that's like the first light bulb. He says, why don't you actually travel through the cross and begin to see the more that I have that that opened up? And why don't you become curious about what more there is beyond what you first encountered? The beginning is merely the one person coming at a time and saying this. Because you see, all of us are created with this God image in us. We all have, whether you believe in God or not, doesn't matter. You have this deep creativity in you. You have this deep sense of looking for meaning in you. You can't help it. You have this uh, deep sense of wanting to be parents. You have this deep sense of relationship. Those are all attributes from God that he placed into your DNA. It's got nothing to do whether you believe in him or not. Because if God exists, he exists. He's not dependent upon you. And we live in a broken world that's got so corrupted and so destroyed and so far from him that many of us are numb to him, but he's still coming to reach us and still coming to say, I am the source of all those things that you are, are wanting to do and you're wanting to find fulfillment in. You try in relationships, you try in work, you try in all kinds of things, but it still doesn't seem to grab you at a deep level for long. I am the fulfillment of all the longings of your heart. And so eventually maybe you come to this place where you say, Jesus, if you are real, I want to know you. And I don't know what that means, but I want to know you. And many of us have testimonies. of Where I started saying yes to Jesus when I was probably 10 or 11 is very, very different from where I am now. 
But you start somewhere. And God doesn't need much. He said, I just need a mustard seed. I just need one word from you and I'm, I'm with you because I actually adore you. Rather like um, Jan talks about her daughter. God says, I'm never closing my, I'm never closing my heart to you. I'm going to show you a testimony later on that actually will encourage you. On, on that, you know, God is faithful. He loves people much more than we do. And he's not intimidated by our language. Oh, you shut the door to me, did you? Well, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I will never let you go. I will bug you to the day that you're dead. You just do not have that much power. You're just blind and dumb and a little disoriented and a little disillusioned. I'm not put off by your behavior. So I'm going to pursue you forever. And so this side of the cross is about religion. It's about how can I be human? How can I actually run my life and also just hedge my bets with Christianity or God and sort of do the right thing so at least when I die I'll go to heaven, I think. Even though Jesus said there many will say, I don't even know you. This guy is actually more concerned about what's inside. And so he's a whole mixture of stuff, good, bad and ugly, but he's traveling around on the other side. Let me uh, show you some. Does this make sense to you? It'll actually make more sense. It's actually nicer than you think. In fact, it's amazing. See, the cross is where the kingdoms clash, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this earth. This earth is under the domination of disease, of brokenness, of enmity between God and man through evil. So you don't on New Year's Day have to make resolutions. I'm going to be angry this year. I'm actually going to watch pornography. I'm actually going to be unfaithful. I'm going to cheat. How many of you make, because we can help you if you do make these kind of... (laughs) You don't make statements that are come out of an evil, negative, selfish place because that is already what you have in you that you're fighting with. So you tend to make the statements of, I'm going to actually be kind to people. I'm going to grow in my faith this year. I'm going to not... whatever. But the the problem is, just in our willpower, we're stuck on this side of the cross where we go, I try as much as I can, but it's it's flesh trying to help flesh. And we all know how hard that is. So there are two kingdoms at work. The kingdom of darkness, which is the kingdom of separation from God, and the kingdom of heaven, that is God breaking into human form. And this happened on Easter. On Easter, something happened when God's Son went to the cross for all the brokenness of human history and died for the sin of the world, which is like the first injection of penicillin that overcame bacteria that was infecting people. The needle took the plunge on Easter and it was never the same again. When Jesus rose from the dead, he did something that was remarkably blind. It just We can't fathom uh, somebody rising from the dead. But then people who lived a thousand years ago wouldn't fathom a cell phone. They wouldn't fathom light bulbs. They wouldn't fathom injections that bring healing. We're all, we're all limited by what we are exposed to within our cultures. So when God came to earth in Jesus, he was coming to say, I am bringing a culture onto earth that I actually brought 
in Eden with Adam and Eve and it got destroyed because of the choices that were made. That we, Infection became part of the world and it took over the world. And God's love said, but I'm not abandoning the world, so I will send my son to start redeeming and reinfecting the world with my goodness. So the beginning, you don't get a shot of penicillin until you say, I have a disease. You don't buy a car until you say, I need some transport. You don't take hold of a light until you see the darkness and say, a light would be a good idea. You don't take hold of the cross until you say, I I need a savior. I need someone to fill my life in a way that I'm not filling it and nobody around me is filling it and what I'm doing isn't filling it. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of hope. It's a, a revelation. Coming to the end of yourself is a very good thing. Human pride doesn't like to admit that. So the way to the cross is one person at a time, but after the cross, what happens? It's wide open. So our bodies are a container or a temple and they are filled with whatever we focus on. So a guy called N.T. Wright, who's quite a well-known theologian, said, sin is, worship, sin is worshiping this world. It's giving yourself over to another power and they will reduce you and reduce you to their level. That's always inferior to the power you, you inherit under your Father God. Whatever you worship is what consumes you. And when you worship that which is not God, our humanness deconstructs bit by bit. It's like succumbing to cancer of the spirit. Everything that is not of God that we actually try and place in our hearts for meaning stays on this side of the cross and will actually be like cancer. It will destroy us. There is nothing that can replace what Jesus did. Because from this side of the cross, Everything you're doing is from the outside in. It's trying to use a broken world to fix a broken heart, to fix a broken spirit, to fill a broken vessel. And nothing works. And that's why on this side of the cross, you you live this life which says, well, when I leave school, I'll be happy. When I get married, I'll be happy. When I get divorced, I'll be happy. When I get off these drugs, I'll be happy. When I can stop drinking, I'll be happy. When I get a better job, I'll be happy. When I go overseas, I'll be happy. When I... And we're never happy for long. We jump into something and say, I feel such peace. And you go, no, it's not peace, it's relief. And you feel that for a little while and then it's on to something else because nothing satisfies on this side of the cross. So what happens through the cross? The cross, what happens through the cross is that when Jesus died, he took away the barrier between humanity and God. And he, because Jesus walked on this side as the only one who had an open relationship with God. When he went to the cross, he made that possible for all humanity. See, he was without sin, so he had this relationship with God as in Eden. Nobody else did, so he, he could say, just watch me. Look, this is what it's like. Tough on you. Don't you wish you hadn't sinned? must suck to be you. I'm the son of God. I'm free. He didn't strut around doing that. He said, this is what God intended for you to be. You have lost the plot, but he loves you so much that I'm actually going to go to the cross for you so that you can have what I have and I'll take what you have. And you go, wow, that's amazing because I know who I am. I know what I've become. I don't don't actually know the fullness of what I've become, but it's not good. And he says, that's what love does. Come to the cross and you go, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. 
for what I am aware of, but I just give you myself and I say, will you actually forgive my sin and make me as you created me to be? And as you go through the cross, he, he then pours into you his love, his forgiveness, his Holy Spirit. And he says, now walk and live on this side. And you go, this is, must be very narrow and very constricting. And he says, no, remember Joshua. He says, take the promised land. It's wide open space. Where do you want me to go, Lord? I'm scared I won't do your will. And he says, oh my word, you are screwed up. You're sounding like a slave. I've just set you free from slavery. I was talking to somebody yesterday, actually. He said, my first, he was a school principal. I played squash with him. And he said, you know, my first three months of retirement were euphoria. Nobody was telling me what to do. I didn't have to go to committee meetings. But it took a while. And I like a phrase I came across that said, we, we have to warm up to our freedom. When the people were set free from Egypt, they, they, they didn't know they were free, so they went into the promised land and they, 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 they looked at the promised land and they went around scouting the promised land as if they were slaves. They didn't know how to take the promised land because their minds had not changed. So they looked and said, oh, the enemy's over there, they're bigger than us, they look like, grasshoppers, look like giants and we feel like grasshoppers. And God was trying to say, oh, my children, my children, my children, you are the giants, they are the grasshoppers, this is your land. And it took a whole generation for them to understand what they were called into. So he says, go in and take the land. Which direction should I go, Lord? Whatever, whatever you like. I don't mind. Go that way or that way. It doesn't matter. I'll be with you. Do you know that your Christian life is meant to be like that? It's meant to be actually, what would you like to do? What's your perfect will for me, please? Because I might get it wrong. He says, you probably will get it wrong, but you're my child. Go and learn. How am I going to learn? Walk. Where am I going to walk? Wherever you want to walk. What am I going to do? I'll tell you. When? As we, as we go. Take one step. That's how it works. I'll be with you forever. And so you begin to walk into your promised land, which is your life of faith. You begin to start moving from the primitive lamp to a much more solid light as you practice. Everything is about walking and learning and growing. On this side of the cross, you, you, you're not perfect, but you're actually learning how to be, live as an accepted, much-loved son and daughter, which is called your inheritance. The power of the cross is from when Jesus rose on Easter and the first disciples followed him. The power of the cross is that for the first time in human history, since Adam and Eve, men and women walked this earth who were filled with the Spirit of God. As Graham Cook says, you were entirely different species. You now had resources that nobody ever had before. Remember when it says in John, we say it in funerals all the time, Behold, I, I, stand, I, I, I go before you and I'm going to prepare a place for you and my, in my father's house are many, man, many rooms and I have a room for you. I, I have this thing that as you come through the cross, you're handed these keys and they, and they say, Here's the key for your room, here's the keys of the kingdom, here's the key to your identity as son and daughter. And you go, oh, but I thought the room was when I'm dead. He said, no, you died here, so you are dead. Now you have access to all kinds of resources. And the most frustrating thing is going to be to physically die and come to your room in heaven and it's still locked. And whoever's showing you to your room says, oh, what have you been doing for the last 15 years? What do you mean? 
Well, you had access to this room because heaven came to earth and you were given access to all the resources of heaven because the Father said, remember, all I have is yours. You haven't asked for anything. You go into the room and there's, you were, you, you were asking for peace and you were asking for guidance and there's peace and guidance. There's all kinds of things in this room and they're, they're, they're brand new. And you go, oh, healing. I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't believe. Because everything from heaven comes from the inside. It all is accessed by faith. It's all accessed by saying, thank you, God, that you love me, that you filled me, that you're with me, you will never leave me. So all fear needs to go because I don't need to be afraid. I don't need to live in the paranoia of this side. I need to live in the freedom of this side. It's got nothing to do with my being worthy. It's got nothing to do with my deserving anything. It's got to do with my being a carrier of light and penicillin and of life that was impossible on this side. But everything that was deposited into Jesus has been deposited into me. So what does it look like on this side? Well, you can tell the difference between somebody who's living on this side and somebody who's living on that side. How can you tell? By their behavior. This side is anger, jealousy, frustration, envy, everything that is, is bitter and twisted is on this side. So this one, this one, you know, this is why Jesus said, he said to the, the, the very religious people, the Pharisees, he said, you are like whited sepulchres, full of dead men's bones, because the way that you behave is actually not consistent with what you believe, say you believe. The way you look and the way you, 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 you portray yourself is not actually borne out in the way that you behave. Whereas on this side, you might look pretty questionable, but the way you behave is amazing. You serve and you love and you care and you forgive and you lay down your life and people go, there is something different about this person. And he says, well, yeah, I, I, I take penicillin, I drive a car and I have a bright light. And it was all given to me by Jesus. And you will know that Jesus lives in me because I'm not like that side. The power of the cross is in the transformed life. The power of the cross is in weak people, clay pots, carrying a treasure that says, it's your lucky day because I'm here and we can speak healing over you. It's your lucky day because I know Jesus. And he's somebody who's going to be, who loves you, adores you and is good to you. Which, which side are you living on? You don't live on this side in human perfection. You live on this side because of faith in Jesus. You don't live on this side because you've got your act together. You live on this side because he's got his act together and he's your hope. You don't live on this side because you don't have work to do and you don't have a journey to make. You're on a journey, you're taking the promised land but you don't sit admiring the cross saying, Jesus, thank it's, I mean, the, and I love all these examples, but it's like saying, I've got a washroom in my house and a shower, I never use it. And people say, well, it's time you did because you stink. And people say that to Christians too. It's time you did. It's time you came to the cross because you're stinking right now. Your body odor and your attitude and your lifestyle stinks. So for God's sake, go to the cross. That's just a free word. You see, the, the essence of Christianity 
is borne out in by our relationships and our lifestyle, period. You can't fake it. You cannot fake it. Whatever comes out of us is what is in us, whether we like it or not. And if we don't know what's coming out of us, just ask your friends. And the, the essence of somebody who's on this side of the cross, when they're made aware of something that's in them that stinks, they do something about it. They go, oh, man, that's incongruent with this. Jesus, please forgive me, and you carry on. The one who doesn't believe the power of the cross spends all their time sniveling around this thing, oh, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy, I'm unworthy, which is a waste of time. So the power of the cross is to restore us. What's stolen on this side of the cross is our identity. What's stolen on this side of our cross is our purpose. On this side of the cross, I'm a miserable sinner. On this side of the cross, I'm a son and daughter of the King of Kings. Who are you? I'm a son and daughter of the King of Kings. Why? Because of what Jesus did. So stop calling yourself a miserable sinner. If my, if my daughter came in and said, Oh, Dad, I'm just a miserable woman, I'd say, Oh, for goodness sake, Carmen, Michelle, stop it. Rise up. You're my much-loved daughter. And unfortunately, you take after your dad, so you've got some issues. <laughs> but you also take after this other dad, and he has better issues, so go after him. Begin to receive in yourself the identity that God has deposited in you because he went to all that trouble through Jesus. It's insulting to tell God how pathetic you are. It's insulting to tell God that you, you're not good enough. It's insulting to tell God all that stuff because he goes, I know that's why you have a Savior. His name is Jesus. That's why I still love the world. I sent him for you. That's why I poured out my spirit because I know you can't do it and I can do it in you. The issue in you is pride. I cannot fill something that is full. So unless you empty yourself day by day, there's nothing to fill. fill. And they shall know you by your love. Real, real simple. It's embarrassing, isn't it? Because love, kind of, the way Jesus, it's not conditional love, it's not lust. It's not love, I'll love you conditionally if you do what I want you to do. It's love laid down as a servant on the cross. It's easy to talk about love. It's easy to sing worship songs. It's easy to go, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you, because the sun's shining and you're being nice to me. No, 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 it's, it's when everything goes wrong. It's what in you comes out. And you can talk yourself around a, a bunch of different stuff. But the truth is the truth is the truth. That's why I need a Savior because there's no way I can live anywhere close to that without help. Like minute by minute, not even day by day. And so the person on this side of the cross, we, are, we know what this side is because this is where we've been brought up. This side is counterintuitive. We're not too sure of it. This is what it says in Revelation. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. It's a glimpse of what heaven is like in all its fullness. When Jesus came and he rose again, he released something of heaven. 
So the citizens of heaven demonstrate the values of heaven. They speak with heaven's accent, which is love, mercy, grace, healing, servanthood. All the things that actually attract us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, are values that come from heaven, deposited by the Holy Spirit in those who say they believe. But we need to practice. We start off with a little lamp of peace and we continue to hold on to peace and we grow with peace and then we become peaceful. And the same is true with every single gift. You start with a little invention, if you were, a little deposit and you're not quite sure how to use this thing and it goes every time something goes wrong and then you grow and learn because somebody next to you says, this is how you handle peace, this is how you handle joy, this is how you handle healing and you learn and you develop like Edison and his cronies did right down to this age, you begin to develop this little embryo into something powerful so that you become power-filled. And some of us aren't seeing any growth in us because we're still here and we don't actually take responsibility for the growth. We kind of think, God, please do it. And he says, it's in your hands. If you work with the people around you, you will actually see things happen. The growth of Christianity and the growth of gifts in us is the same as the light band or the, the gospel band. The part of the joy of your band is because you meet with other people. You practice together. You build songs. You make harmonies and you begin to grow and you get better and your people begin to listen. It's the same thing that happens in Christianity, in relationships. When God gave us communion, he didn't give us a table with a theory. He said, break this bread and drink this wine together that it might be a symbol of the reality that I poured into you, that I have made you one and I have laid down my life for you and you are to do the same. This is not a theory, it's actually a practice. Do it. Everything in heaven has been given to us through the cross of Jesus and through the presence of Jesus. And it's all for us to actually take hold of and develop. What do you want? This is, this is meant to be very inspiring. This is meant to be incredibly encouraging. Because a lot of the cries of our heart, God is just saying, yes, yes, walk, take it. How? Just trust me, go, see what happens. Talk to the people around you. Live as my citizens. As we sang in that song, let revival start in me. Lord, work with me, then work through me. See what happens. One, one, uh, one quote, and then I'm going to show you a video. Romans 8, all of this is about Romans 8.13. has a cool little verse in it. You see, the whole of this side is about living from the inside. So as I live from the identity of God, I am his son, he loves me, he is with me, he will never leave me. And no matter whether my house doesn't sail and whether my, my, my knee isn't healed, I will still love you and I will still actually walk with you because I know that that is not the condition of your love. And there's mystery and I don't understand why some things happen. But given patience, usually things work out. So, and by the way, the greatest testimony you can give to anybody else is when you say and when you declare God is good and Jesus is kind and my house hasn't sold and my knee is still hurting. Seriously. Oh, when my house is sold and I've won the lottery, it's easy to say praise God. He is faithful, he is good, his favor rests upon me. It's another thing entirely when everything else seems to be falling apart and I say but God. Then people will get, you will get their attention. That is extraordinary. That is uh, counterintuitive to what's on this side of the cross. 
On this side of the cross, it's all conditional. It's all depending on. On this side of the cross, it comes out of the fountain within you because God is God and he is good. Romans 8.13 says this. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. That is on that side. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. What does that mean? It means on this side of the cross, your body and your, your, your feelings and your temptations rule. On this side of the cross, the Spirit rules. So the Spirit starts saying, enough of that. You go to the cross and I'll meet you on this side. So you start developing the Spirit, which is the truth of God, which is the heart of God, which is the passion of God. And most of us know what the Spirit is, actually. Listen to your conscience. Let your conscience be changed through the cross so that it becomes a way through which God speaks to you. Listen to the nudges. Listen to the senses of things. You know them. You hear them. Pay attention to them. You know which way to walk. You know what things are good. You know that what things are wrong. You know what attitudes are helpful and what are not. You know what the Spirit of Heaven is like. Intuitively. And you have a choice, and I have a choice whether I listen to it, and if I don't, and if I listen, I go, but I don't know how to get there. The Spirit says, go to the cross, repent of the stuff you can't do, and I will meet you. And we'll just keep practicing until we get it right. There's no accusation in me. I do not condemn you. I'm thrilled that you're trying. So you can fall down 15 times today, and I'll still pick you up. You cannot do this stuff without Jesus. You cannot do this stuff without God's Spirit in you. You can't be a Christian that brings life to others without his presence in you. Here's a, a, a testimony from a guy who died two, month, two, week days, two weeks after he gave this testimony in 2011. Um, I'm just showing it to you for your encouragement because it's somebody who actually spoke a word to a man who was so far from God that you probably couldn't get any further. He was a a very, very successful fashion uh, or makeup, uh, makeup guy in New York. His name's Danny. Isn't that amazing? See, on this side of the cross, you have that desperation and evil always takes you into the gutter. Many of us don't get into the gutter. We just live in a respectable place of, of slavery. And you try harder and this side says, I cannot try any harder, but God can and so this side of the cross says, Father, will you touch Emily? Will you touch uh, whoever? And will you actually do in us what we cannot do in ourselves? And when Danny, he died apparently two, two weeks after that testimony, but he had 11 years of going into the promised land. And the light grew brighter. So this man who said, never, 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 becomes the one who says, let me tell you my story. I don't know how it works other than God is jealous for every human being. Not just so that they be saved, but you're saved for something. You're saved to be his trophy. I love that phrase. You're saved so that people will know because of him because of how we live in a broken, scattered world. Let's stand. And if you call on the name of Jesus, you will be saved. 
I mean, if you're sitting here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you can call on his name. And if you don't know that you don't know, then you can know. You just say, Jesus, I offer you my sin. I bring to you. You don't have to understand everything. Understanding comes. But the first thing we need to know is that I know that I have laid my life before the cross and Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all my sin and I ask that you come in and you make my life what you would want it to be so that I can live as a trophy for you. I don't even know what that means. I just know that I need help. And you can pray that as I've prayed it right now. And God is faithful. Don't worry about feelings. He listens to what comes out of our mouths and he responds. And then it takes time to warm up, which means to take hold of the new. And the way you take hold of the new is you get together with somebody who's gone a little further than you have. You say, help me grow, help me travel this road because I'm not quite sure what to do. But there are also many of us here we can say, call on the name of Jesus for something that's going on in your life that's, that's crushing you or you're struggling with or you've got stuck with and it feels like you're on the other side of the cross again. That's an illusion, but at the same time, sometimes we forget the basic message. And so we start trying to take the things of heaven and make them work through human effort. And it can't happen that way. So, if you want to call on the name of Jesus, Father, we just call on your name now for whatever's going on in our lives where we are stuck or we are defeated or we're struggling. We ask you to come and we give you what we've been handling, we place it at the cross because the cross is always with us as a resource. And we ask you to cleanse us, forgive us, heal us. Forgive us where we've had wrong thoughts, where we've had attitudes that are not of you. Whatever it is, we thank you that you don't condemn us. We just lay it before you. Because, Father, I've been a rather tarnished trophy. In fact, I haven't been a trophy at all. And I ask you to cleanse me and forgive me and I ask you to restore to me the identity that I've lost sight of and I thank you that I'm your much loved son and daughter. I don't have to start at square one. I just need to know that humility is always the way that you work. And I ask you to fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit that I would have the power of heaven on earth in me to be the person that only you can be in me. And you know this, I've often prayed this way, you don't even feel like praying it. It's like, well, I know what I meant to pray, but I don't even feel like it. So you <laughs> God can take that as well. He says, tell me what you don't feel like and I'll help you feel like it. So, Father, I pray that you would give me whatever I need to be able to make the choices that will bring life. And where I can't let go of something, I just ask you to help me to come to that place where I can. See, he's with us completely. And as Danny said, he gives us so much more than we ask for. We ask to get out of a jam and he says, I'll give you a whole big future. So as we come to break bread, what do you want from him? What is? Ask him for the big outrageous thing. Ask him for something that would be unbelievable. Father, I pray for a release of faith among us to ask for things that we, we struggle to believe is even possible. But if we have the embryo of an idea in our hearts, it might be the first fruit of something that he's wanting to release. 
So ask him. Father, we want to be a people who live on the promised land side of the cross. We want to be a people who are trophies for you in this community and in this world. We want to be a people who, as we saw last week, we have lots of cracks, but they're filled with gold. We want to be a people, Father, who boast about your faithfulness in the midst of all kinds of incompleteness and mystery. And we still declare that you are good and that you are kind and you are the God of God and the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. So that we could write like Paul did, like Peter did, like John did, that you are the only true light of the world. As John said, I know because I have touched him and I have seen him. So Holy Spirit, will you continue to work in us and among us that you might be honored and glorified.